Hey folks, my name is Andy Sido. I'm a musician, songwriter, performer, podcaster, living in Denver, Colorado. My guest this week is Cody Wyoming-based singer, songwriter, and performing artist, Kaylin Beasley. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. I'm trying to get through these monologues today. Today is monologue day. I did uh, David Starr right before this. Um, I'm doing this one, and then I'm doing the monologue for Shane Smith. Shane Smith of Shane Smith and the Saints is on next week. We had a great conversation. And I'm recovering from a cold, so <laughs> today's monologue day, but I'm a little bit uh, nasally and stuffed up getting through these. Anyway, I was uh, so glad to get to chat with Kaylin. Uh, he and I met through uh, the Rocky Mountain Songwriter Festivals, and they run three festivals, um, one in Red Lodge, Montana, which is which is a, a southern part of Montana, and then just south of that, about an hour, hour and a half maybe, is Cody, Wyoming, where they run the Yellowstone Songwriter Festival. Um, and then on the third weekend of September, they do the Whitefish Songwriter Festival. So I met a gentleman by the name of Mike Booth who runs these festivals in 2021 when I was performing at the Dripping Springs Songwriter Festival outside of Austin. And he saw one of my sets and invited me to play a couple of his festivals in 2022. Um, I did the Red Lodge Festival in June, and this was right after I got married. So Allie and I kind of, it was between our reception and our honeymoon. Uh, we we kind of came up and had a weekend in Red Lodge, Montana. And man, is that a beautiful place. And then I, I came back up to Cody in September, second weekend of September, for the Yellowstone Songwriter Festival. Um, and now this year, 2023, I got invited to uh, back to Yellowstone the second week of September. And then the third weekend of September, I will do the Whitefish Songwriter Fest. And I'm really excited about that. I've heard it's just gorgeous up there. Um, anyway, I met Kalen. He's been doing these festivals since they started them. He's a, he's a wonderful songwriter, and his newest album, is called A Matter of Time. It came out on September 23rd, 2022. Um, and he's he's been involved with these with these festivals. Uh, he and his mom run uh, a bookstore called Legends in Cody, Wyoming. And um, yeah, anyway, we met through the festivals and, and we, came, we became buddies. I absolutely love his new album. Um, not forget the words is the fourth track, and and that's been my favorite one so far. Especially if you're an artist, it's it's very very relatable. Um, but his lyrics cut deep throughout the whole album. It's country, but it but it has a lot of other influences as well. And um, in our conversation, we talk about the new album. We talk about his upbringing. We talk about the rodeo. Um, he he did that in into college actually uh, at Montana State up in Bozeman. And uh, he's got a he's got a really interesting story. He has a pilot's license, and uh, he's also a, a wonderful musician and songwriter. So I'm excited to jump into our conversation. Really quick, I want to give a thanks to our sponsor, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratormusic.com. used to be narratorrf.com. Now you can just go straight to Narrator Music. Um, and also, as I've mentioned in the last couple monologues, I'm 
opening this up to a couple new sponsors. So if you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, it's affordable, it's simple. Uh, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar@gmail.com, and we can talk about setting up a spot for your company um, on the podcast. If you'd like to support this show in a monetary way, um, but not a sponsorship way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. There's a link to that in the show notes. If you'd like to support in a non-monetary way, completely free, give this podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It just takes a second, and uh, it, it really does help out a lot. Okay, I think that gets through all the stuff we got to get through. Here's my conversation with Kaylin Beasley. Kaylin, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Are you at your home in Cody? Yeah, I'm at home. Um, it's uh, like 15 degrees out, and so just kind of uh, hanging out in my house. I've got Christmas going on right behind me, so we're we're full full into it right now. Yeah, uh, and pardon my lack of uh, country terminology, but what is that? Uh, what do you call that when you have a head or a skull hanging on the the wall uh it's just it's just a decoration i didn't uh, this isn't like a, a hunt i did or anything like that i had a we had a neighbor who sold these buffalo skulls and pretty cheap really like um i think they're at the time they're only like 100 bucks so i was like well that would look great on my wall and so you know it's from a buffalo ranch where they make uh they take they obviously harvest the hides and then all the meat and everything and then you know pr pretty much try and use most of the the buffalo but obviously the skull is the big part of it so it just it just looks good on my wall that's all it's there for i i bring it up mo most people will just be listening to this audio only but i bring it up because um the buffalo is wearing a santa hat it is wearing Santa hat. yeah and and my dog our dog remy who's a border collie He's super smart, but he's obsessed with the skull. And he's also obsessed with computer screens. So he's right now he's watching the computer screen, but almost always he watches the skull to make really? sure move. Yeah, he's he loves the skull. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe you should listen to Remy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it snowing up there? We got about six inches of snow two days ago, but it's been cold. So it's stuck around. Now it's just it's just sunny. Um, so, yeah. Did you guys get any snow down there? Uh, Denver avoided it. A lot of the rest of the state did, but we avoided it. It's just, uh, it's just chilly here. Yeah, we got, we don't, we're not known for getting a ton of snow. Um, even though we're, you know, Northern Wyoming, we're technically a, a desert, but we can, we can get snow for sure. And like I said, we got about six inches of, of cold snow and, and it'll probably warm up and blow away here sometime in the next couple of weeks, I imagine. Well, so you and I met, um, uh, partially in Cody, I guess, in, in Red Lodge and Cody. But we met through uh, the Rocky Mountain Songwriter Festivals, which happen uh, in... There's one in Red Lodge, the Red Lodge Songwriter Festival. That's Montana in June. And then uh, in September, second weekend of September, I believe, in your hometown of Cody, there's the Yellowstone Songwriter Festival. And then the same organization uh, does the Whitefish Songwriter Festival in, in uh, northern Montana, uh, third weekend of September, I believe. So you do, um, you're like, you're the guy. You do the festivals every year. You're the, you're the mainstay, right? 
I seem to be the constant. Yeah. I, I was in when they kicked off the Red Lodge Festival seven years ago or whenever it was, I was part of that, part of the first crop and just being local and probably mostly to proximity. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I was also kind of the Wyoming guy. So originally it was, um, you know, they'd have the big Nashville songwriters and then originally it was marketed as having, you know, Montana and Wyoming songwriters. And since I was sort of the Wyoming guy that played a lot around Red Lodge and Billings and Southern Montana, I was sort of included as, as that person. And then they expanded the roster to include it, uh, other States. And then they changed the name to rising stars. And, um, again, just because I'm close by and, I, they don't have to put me up, you know, I'm, you know, I, I think I was just kind of part of it as it moved through Red Lodge and then we gained Cody and then Whitefish, same deal. It was, um, I was, I was lucky enough to be a part of those and have been a part of everyone since I wasn't a part of Whitefish. I had a scheduling conflict this year. Um, and then originally I was only a songwriter and, um, the MC for the event, he ended up getting sick. I think the third or fourth year he, who's a good friend of mine, Al Cooper, he ended up not being able to be the MC. Yeah. And so last minute, the lat like three or four days before the Red Lodge Festival, the director, Mike Booth, asked if I would like to step in and announce, you know, the shows and kick off everything. And and I, you know, I did my homework and researched everybody and kind of came out with, uh, kind of came up with my own little style for making sure that the shows ran smoothly and people were respecting the the sort of format, the songwriter format, being quiet, being respectful. And they, they seem to like that. So they had me back to do that role as well as in addition to being a songwriter, I'm, I'm also the MC for those events as well. Well, quick shout out to Al Cooper. Uh, and, and that's a cool thing too. I, I think every artist wants that relationship with the festival. I mean, I, I think most festivals have that artist that's there every year, that crowd favorite. And, uh, You've certainly got that, got that going on, and you're you're also uh, conducting interviews during the festival as well, right? I mean, you were in, interviewing me and some other artists, and and uh, you did a great job of that, by the way, curating that, and and uh, yeah, the whole thing was good. Yeah, thank you. I, that's probably one of my favorite part besides playing my shows. That's probably my favorite part because because I'm uh, as a being a songwriter, I'm I'm curious about how other people do this. And and um we sort of were talking about um, you know, how hard it is to to tour in our respective regions. You know, you're down in Colorado, I'm up in Wyoming. We're fairly isolated from any sort of larger scene and and just you're isolated by, by from the scene, but you're also then isolated from other writers and other creatives. So unless you're able to have conversations on the phone or or FaceTime or whatever you're not able to conduct those conversations about how other people are doing stuff. And so um, when I was approached about doing the interview portions in Cody that, that were a continuation of the interview portions that occurred in Red Lodge that I'd always attended, I always went to those. Those were usually in the morning, about nine or 10 in the morning at the, at the bakery in Red Lodge. They'd have uh, my friend Wells Wrights does those interviews. And I was, I'm always curious to see how people do those things. So um, I jumped at it. I really, I was, I was probably just as passionate about doing those interviews and asking questions and sort of um, for my own personal uh, selfish interest on how people do things, but also trying to make it interesting for the crowd because so many people, because these songwriter festivals are kind of a new thing, people don't necessarily know what they are. And so um, digging into the the individual songwriters on their process, on their inspiration, their motivation, their influences, um, 
but but also being able to ask those questions in a way that's easily understood or, or and make it entertaining for people who aren't necessarily creatives or in the business. And so I I wanted to sort of meld those and and so anyways i i love doing those and i've been lucky enough to to um be chosen to do those but it shows and and you're saying and i think you're right songwriter festivals are kind of a newer thing but they're popping up everywhere uh what do you think they do for the music community in general they give us a place to play (laughs) you know uh i've and and you can i'm sure we can probably talk about this for hours about how many gigs we've played sitting in a corner of a bar, um, you know, with people talking or conversations that happen that are totally aside from the music we're trying to play. And we're kind of expected to be there just as an entertainment and our artistic integrity sure takes a backseat to a lot of these opportunities we get to, you know, make a living, to make money. And uh, that seems to be most of the opportunities that artists have. Um, So what happens for songwriters to go to a festival that features just the songs, just the stories is it really allows us to, uh, an opportunity and an audience to share those those songs and stories that we we craft. We spend a lot of time, I know you do, and I do uh, cultivating and and refining our skills and and making these songs into something that's very entertaining. And when people have a chance to actually sit down and and be in an environment where it's uh, all the attention and all the focus is on the is on the song, is on the story, people get a chance to really, hear our individual personality and and what it takes to really craft these songs and so um really these festivals just give us an outlet to do those it's really a beautiful thing we're really lucky to to that these are starting to become more of a thing absolutely absolutely and and it's really cool to have one in your hometown as well i'm sure um they, there's one in cody wyoming it's not a big town um but that's in in the in the public comes out too i noticed that in red lodge and uh and uh Cody, everybody's there. Um, it's a neat thing, yeah. and I, yeah, I, I mean, I think to a a, a a town like Denver, it might actually be tougher to bring people out because um, there's so many venues and so many things to do every night, and everyone's being pulled one way or the other. I I think it's really cool that it's like, hey, here's what's going on in town this week. You want to go out and do something? This is what it is. Yeah, for sure. And I've lived in Austin, so I know that in in cities where the where entertainment is it's not that it's not valued it's just that it's probably taken for granted that there's so many choices for entertainment from not just music comedy and plays and uh, theater right. and and uh, sporting events you know i mean there right. the options are are almost limitless in a city that's as big as denver couple million people you've got something going on every single night and they probably have websites that are dedicated to a calendar that just has you know whatever you want to do here it is whereas in a in a community that's uh tight-knit small like cody or red lodge this is an event that people look forward to all year long and and it's not just this event but it's sort of communities like this we have our events you know we know what we're going to do on labor day we know what goes on on president's day fourth of july is a big deal and it's sort of looked forward to every year rather than like this weekend, there's, you know, 18 events going on. And on Wednesday, there's four different things going on every week, you know. So um, in a community like this, people value it a little bit more and, and just in smaller communities in general, yeah. I feel like because because your options are so much more limited. When I noticed that everybody knew each other, right, walking around town, everybody knew each other and there was something cool about that and football season was just getting started too. And 
I, I'm not even sure I figured out where the football stadium was, where the high schoolers were playing, but um, I could hear it all over town. You know, like you're walking down the main drag and like, oh yeah, the Cody High School, whatever they're called, must have just scored a touchdown because yeah. this whole town just erupted. And it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah, man. I mean, we're we're small town USA and there's so many towns like this across, but this is what so many... It's funny you say that because it just reminds me of like a Justin Moore song or something, you know, like yeah. there's just this is what this is a sort of community that uh, that a lot of your songs are written about. But it is it's a it's a super I grew up here. It's a super tight knit community um, welcoming. You know, I think tight knit communities can have a stigma as, as being exclusive or, um, you know, not welcoming. I do feel Cody is has as a as a tourist town, too. You know, we're it's kind of bred in our, the fabric of our town that as a gateway to Yellowstone, we are also very welcoming to to newcomers and travelers and tourists as well. But, um, you know, and that's why, that's another reason why people choose to move to towns like this is it's, I always say for better or worse, Cody's 30 years in the past and, you know, mostly for the better. There's certainly some things that you'd like to be a little bit more progressed or progressive in your small town, but it's just a town where, you know, people leave their doors unlocked kids go out and and play in the streets and uh, it's it's safe and it's and um, not that there's not bad things that happen but by and large it's your quintessential small town um you know setting in the west that's that people idealize and, and it, it actually is a real thing here as you got to kind of experience for yourself and are you from cody originally is this where you grew up yeah yeah, I was, technically, I always have to kind of make this distinction. I was born in Casper, which is um, right in the middle of the state, but I moved to Cody before I was one. So, I mean, te- technically, I'm I'm from Casper originally, but um, Cody's where I've spent most of my life. So, my mom's uh, whole side is from Rock Springs, um, okay. which is nowhere near Cody, but it's just a, a Wyoming connection. Um, at what point did you first? start getting into music was that something that was around your house growing up yeah so um i didn't i yes it has it's been around uh my dad's side of the family in particular everybody plays everybody sings um all my cousins all my not everybody but generally just about everybody and it's sort of a, a thing but i i didn't get started playing music until later in life i think it's one of those things where as a kid you're you're either you're either gonna get into it right away or you're not going to get into it ever. I was sort of halfway into that. And um, I didn't get into music until I was about 19. And it was after I, my first year of college, I, I stayed up in Montana to get, to gain my residency. So college was a little bit more affordable for me. Uh, so I stayed in Bozeman over the summer and I bought two things that I knew I could do by myself. Every, all my other friends went home for the summer, you know, it was a summer after freshman year. So I bought a set of golf clubs and I bought a guitar and I knew those were two things I could at least, you know, I wanted to learn and I could do by myself. I didn't need any, any friends. And so I kind of spent that whole summer. I still suck at golf, uh, but I'm quite a bit better guitar player than I was then. And uh, so that's kind of when I got started, 19. And then my background is I'm, I rodeoed growing up. And so I went to college and I rodeoed at Montana State and sort of simultaneously was playing more guitar becoming friends with more musicians uh and uh, you know for those of you don't probably don't realize like music and and rodeo culture go together hand in hand a lot of people that yeah. rodeo play guitar sing cowboy songs it's sort of a thing and i was kind of in that and um as i sort of got 
got uh, rodeoing less or less interested in rodeo, I became more interested in in writing songs and playing and started a band. And, and that's uh, that's what that's why we're here. So Montana State for a year and you were up there to well, explain to me what that is when you're up there to rodeo. What does what does that entail? Uh, so it's kind of an, it's a weird thing that most people probably won't realize, but out here in the West, uh, our colleges have, you know, your typical college sports. Um, but in addition to a lot of your colleges, especially your junior colleges, uh, will have a rodeo team and that's, it's a team, but it's not a team. It's a weird thing because you'll still, you know, you'll still gain points for the team, but rodeo is a very individual sport, right? So it's sort of both things. You're, it's sort of like wrestling. I, I don't know if you're familiar with wrestling, but it's very much yeah. like wrestling in that I compete in my weight division. But if I, you know, depending on how I do in my weight division, it affects the points for the overall team. And so it's sort of like that. Um, but Montana State has a pretty distinguished rodeo team. Um, and so uh, it's a big part of their program. Um, huge, huge funding, uh, you know, lots of alumni fund it. And so it's really celebrated and, and embraced by the community and it's just been there forever. And um, so to be able to rodeo at a place like Montana state at that time was a pretty cool deal from, from my and standpoint, uh, this, just is gonna growing s- up rodeoing. this is going to seem like a really ignorant question, but uh, like, what are the types of events that you, that you would do? I mean, are uh, when you're rodeo, when you're doing that? So, yeah, no, that's that's a good question. I I rode bucking horses. I also rope. Um, I grew up roping and riding. Um, yeah, like, like rough stock events. Uh, sat, I rode saddle bronc horses. Was is what I rode. Right. And um, so just you know, I was a rough stock cowboy, and then I occasionally would would team rope as well. So um, yeah, but it's a pretty it's a pretty rough event. It's rough stock in rodeo is is pretty hard on you, and so. It's a young man's thing. So by the time I was about 23, 24, I was kind of a couple surgeries, a couple bad injuries. Just you, you got to um, if you're going to succeed in something like riding rough stock and rodeo, you've got to be pretty tough. And and not that I I was tough enough, but you've got to be you got to keep wanting to get on, even though you're you know hurt and banged up. And and it's just it loses its luster pretty fast. I mean, was, was there a serious injury that happened to you that made you say, okay, I'm good. I'm done with this. There wasn't one that I, I wasn't just injured and then I was kind of done. I'd, I'd come back from a, a shoulder, a pretty sh- serious shoulder surgery. And I was actually having a pretty good year, a couple years and was really starting to move up in the ranks and get, get better and, and start to be known. Um, but I, you know, I just kept, I wasn't. I wasn't, um, my desire to succeed wasn't as strong as, as my, uh, as my desire to, to not be, you know, banged up. Cause you're just hurt all the time. I mean, it's not like, even though you might not be seriously injured, you're just hurt all the time. And so that, that kind of gets old, just being, just kind of being banged up. is just not fun. So after your freshman year, you get this guitar and start playing music and, I, are are you writing songs right away or just trying to pick out some old Guy Clark tunes? I mean, where does it start? Wagon Wheel. This yeah. is 2006. So Wagon Wheel, Wagon Wheel <laughs> was not yet the overplayed song that it's become. And uh, yeah, so gr- growing up back, kind of my backstory a little bit. My, my dad has a band, had a band growing up, still has a band, still plays. 
So um, I feel like one of my sort of strong suits or sort of something that was on my side as far as getting into music was I, I knew songs really well. I knew the words to songs. So all I really needed to do was learn, you know, chords and how to strum and how to play. But the words I just knew. I knew hundreds of songs. I grew up in the 90s, listening to 90s country. So I knew, you know, a bunch of 90s country songs. I knew all these great cowboy songs that my dad would play. And so... Um, I think that's, that can be a roadblock for a lot of people and that they kind of always have to chase down the words or have to have an iPad in front of them, or, you know, that can be, that can be, that wasn't a roadblock for me. I knew the words. And, um, so I wasn't writing songs right away, but it was sort of just, I picked it up. I, I, this is almost 20 years ago, but thinking now, I, I think I picked it up pretty fast, you know, so I was able to mimic these these recorded songs like i said wagon wheel and whatever other popular songs of the day was but i I do remember my the first song i learned was wagon wheel and i played it i don't play that song anymore well yeah it it got uh i mean at first remember that song was kind of indie it was kind of underground it was like you heard you heard of this group old crow medicine show have you heard of you know they wrote this song like dylan had this chorus right and then it and then uh you know Rightfully so, it became a huge hit because uh, you know it's a, it is a great song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama. You know, these aren't they're not huge hits because they suck. They're here. Yeah. They're they become yeah. overplayed because people love them so much. Um, so yeah, it was at the time I didn't I had, wasn't like a huge old Crow Medicine Show fan. I just there was this song that you know, I think it was just right time, right place. I was just in college and and had influences coming in from all different angles outside of me just growing up in my small town. I was suddenly around all these college kids that were introducing me to new music. So that was probably where I ran into it. But yeah, it's, it's funny how that song's now just, you know, you can't play it. It's just, it's, it's off the, off the books. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now at what point did you start saying, okay, I'm having fun playing guitar when no one's here and I know all these songs now school's back in session. You're doing your thing. At what point are you thinking, okay, you know what? Maybe I could do this. Maybe I could really make a go at this. A couple of years down the road, I, I played junior hockey for a couple more years till I was 20. Uh, so did that. And then, you know, um, kind of between playing hockey in and out of college, in and, in and off the rodeo team, um, early 20s, 20. To 23 i kind of started playing at more like college parties i had some friends that like one friend had a fiddle the other friend he was pretty good guitar player he was on the they were both on the rodeo team so we'd have these big college parties at, at people's houses and we were sort of the entertainment uh it had to have been terrible and thank god uh cell phone proliferation hadn't exceeded maximum velocity at the time because uh you know, there's no recorded evidence of those shows that to my knowledge, um, but that, you know, alcohol helped it, as it does. It's, yeah. I mean, you say what you want about booze, but it, it can get you out of your shell and it can, um, and it can, it can be that kind of lubricant to get you to do something that you may not be comfortable doing necessarily without it. And so just, you know, being around the party scene, having friends that wanted to hear these songs and we were just sort of the band. Yeah. And, um, during this time, early 20s, I started pinning some songs down just as we kind of all do. They kind of sound like songs you like and you just kind of put new words to them in a way. Yeah. That's a, anyways, that's how my, a lot of my early stuff was. It was sort of 
sounded a lot like the songs I was listening to at the time. And, um, and that's, like I said, I got, I got less interested in rodeo, more interested in, in writing songs. And, and I started this band with some friends and like a real band, like went and started playing bars and stuff. And, um, what was the band called? Uh, we're called the bad intentions. Our first band (laughs) name was called the, the, um, Oh, what was it called? It was called, um, the high beams because we got paid in in uh jim beam and uh what was that other whiskey anyways we were called the high beams because we got paid in whiskey <laughs> yeah and um 10 high 10 high and jim beam was what we drank and so we were the high beams and then we decided we needed a more legitimate name way cooler name so we decided yeah. to call ourselves the bad intentions which is can't go wrong there and um we were pretty hot band like at the time because we had this really good fiddle player who was just he was he was the best musician in our band by a long shot yeah and um but but he was but you know if you got a good fiddle in the band everybody else can just be as long as you can start it start a song and finish it and everybody's drinking everybody's having fun fiddle players have to be good musicians i think they do they do well they play by ear and so you know they can tell you if you're not in tune they can tell you you know they can tell you more things about what you're doing than what you even know you're doing yeah yeah so we got him in the band and and we we kind of took off like we've been we like I said my dad had a band and was gigging around Wyoming so he helped us get jobs like right away I think we started our band in officially in November by January we were off and running like we were we were just we had gigs and throughout that whole summer we played I remember we played music on Maine our first year which wow. is this huge event in Bozeman yeah in front of the entire town of Bozeman at the time was, you know, everybody would come out for it. They'd do seven of these music on main events in Bozeman. We were one of the bands. We'd been a band for six months and we played it. And um, we were just, we were just off and running just because again, we had the connections through my dad who could get us jobs. Um, we had, we knew friends in college that were like getting married. So we'd be their wedding band. You know, we, we knew all these college bars around t- town that would have us and rodeos and, and, um, so that kind of made the decision easy for me. Like, I don't want to rodeo anymore. Like, this is way more fun. I don't even want to go to college anymore. So I didn't. I just stopped. I stopped going to college altogether at that point as well. My band always uh, tried to play in the Legion bar or the Eagle on a Thursday night in the summer and start right after Music on Main because we just get that like flood in from people right after the event. Did you live in Bozeman? No, but I've I've played up oh. there a whole bunch of times. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We just, I and actually it's been a couple of years. I think since COVID we haven't gone up, but um but we, yeah, we'd go up every summer a couple of times and do those gigs cuz uh it's a great spot to play. Oh, right after music on Main, people have just been, you know, drinking in the streets and just ready to have a good time. Yeah, that's a that's a ready-made party is what it is. A ready-made party. Yeah, we drove 10 hours for that ready-made party twice a summer. <laughs> <laughs> My head um, hurts just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Did did you finish uh, at Montana State? Did you finish a degree? I didn't. I did finish, but I didn't finish at MSU. No. Okay. Um, I went back to school when I was thirty, so I, it was okay. kind of a lingering thing in my. I wanted it was something that was important to me to finish, so I did. So when did this band fall apart, or or has it fallen apart? I mean, it, I it, did it. Did it just go on for a few years? We. Like I said, our momentum was pretty strong right out of the gate, and we decided um, in year two to crowdfund a record. Uh, so at this yeah. point, I had written a bunch of songs, and we decided we were going to crowdfund a record in 2000, 
12. Yeah. Um, so 2012, I, I must have had enough songs at that point, 2011, 12, to, that we felt comfortable we were going to make, you know, our first original set of music. And, and we did. We crowdfunded like $12,000 or something like that and went down to Nashville and cut this record. And then our then our plan was we were going to take over the world. You know, Montana wasn't big right. enough. Wyoming wasn't big enough. We needed to take the music to the people. And our 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 idea was we were going to move to Austin, which we did. We moved yeah. to Austin in fall of 12. So we put out the record like September 12. And that was like our going away party. Hey, thanks for the memories. You know, next time you see us, you know, Austin we'll be on city TV. limits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll be yeah. next time you see us like we'll be too big for you guys to deal with. And and so <laughs> moved, down, moved down to Austin like right after that. And um we played about a year in Austin and then the, the wheels just kind of slowly broke apart as they do with bands. Our, like I said, our fiddle player was in, was incredible. And so he started kind of getting jobs with bigger bands, which is that I didn't realize at the time that's, that's a hundred percent. What happens is that your band usually gets picked apart by bigger bands where they can ride, you know, they don't have to ride in a van anymore or drive the van. They can just sleep on a bunk and a bus if they're good enough. And yep. even if, even if they're making, even if they have a less ownership in the group or no ownership, you know, that $200 a night and the, uh, a, a bus bunk beats sleeping in a van, you know? So, right. And 25% of, uh, whatever royalties there may be. Yeah, exactly. Which there was none. Yeah. There was, we were, we were, we owned a hundred percent of nothing. So yeah, it, the van fell apart. And then I, so this is like 2013. Um, I just, I was kind of done with Austin. I just, I kind of had my fill of it. I'd broken up with my, me and my girlfriend had broken up. My band had broken up. I was sleeping on a couch and um, I was just homesick for Wyoming. So then I, I at this point, I kind of was, I was, oh, I was writing songs for this entire period, but my songs became less band oriented or, and more singer songwriter you know, sort of songs. So that's kind of when my, the iteration that I'm in now began. So when you came back to Cody is when you started penning uh, Northerner. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I started it and sleeping on a couch in Austin. I started writing some of those songs and then, yeah, basically I took about a year off, worked on a ranch, um, kind of was done, not done with music, but just burn out on it. Worked on a, a cattle ranch. So I farmed and ranch for about a year. And then just slowly gigs started coming my way um, up here and got back after it. And um, some other things happened too. We started a business, started the bookstore. Um, so I didn't have to ranch anymore. I could I could be an inside cat and, yeah. um, and just started doing more of this stuff. Well, yeah, so I, I know, and it still stands, there's a, a bookstore called Legends in Cody, Wyoming, and you manage it when you're not on the road still. Is that right? Yeah, my family owns a bookstore in Cody and, uh, I, I started it, you know, we, me and my mom came up with the whole idea. And, um, so yeah, when I'm probably, you know, Monday through Friday, I'm in there managing it, whatever, whatever needs done as far as whatever, whatever you think managing is, it, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I scrub the toilets. That's what I really do. I make sure everything looks, looks clean. <laughs> Was there, I mean, doing the ranching thing you enjoyed that as well though correct is there a reason why you wanted to make a, a career shift um i did enjoy ranching but that the ranching was sort of tied to um 
the relationship I was in at the time. And so, um, it didn't, the ranching job didn't end because of that, but the, the bookstore took precedent over the, the ranch. I mean, the ranch was sort of in limbo, like one manager had left and it didn't have anybody to run day-to-day operations. And so I was sort of just there. I didn't have, I didn't have anything else going on. I just got back from Austin. The ranch manager had quit. Um, and so the gal I was dating, you know, we, we, Basically, it started one day at a time. Hey, do you guys want to go up on the mountain? And 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 I my background is obviously um, that sort of stuff. And so yeah, we we'll go up on up on the bighorns and make sure that the cows are okay. And it was just kind of oh well, you guys want to stay up there for a week? All right, we'll stay up there for a week. And it kind of eventually became to where I stayed there throughout the rest of that summer, all fall and winter, and then helped plant in the spring of fifteen. And then um, then in in earnest my mom decided that she really did want to do this store and I was the ranch had be, had, had, um, had got new owner or management. And so it kind of allowed me to just shuffle out and, and, and do the bookstore thing. So it's just kind of one of those things that just happened. And why a bookstore? My mom had re- retired early, relatively early, and she'd been retired for a couple of years. And, um, they, her dream is always to have a retail store. That was just, you know, she, she'd done her, her career, uh, but she was still had quite a bit of energy left and she'd done her, her market research to figure out if a bookstore would work in a small town, she figured out the numbers would probably add up if she did it right. And again, I was just kind of, I was there. Like I, I was, I was the extra set of hands to, to help her do this thing. And, um, and eventually you know, we love it. You know, I, I wouldn't trade doing, doing the store for the world. It's something I, I always would like to do actually. Um, yeah. But the, the store was just sort of her dream and I just was there and helped her accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah. And are, I mean, are you a big reader? Are you a bookworm yourself? I am. And I always have, I, that was, that's probably another thing is I've just was, um, having always been interested in books and, and reading it's, it's it was a no-brainer for us to do a bookstore. We're both we're both big readers, so yeah. I and I still do read quite a bit. Let's jump into the new album, and well, and and not to totally skip over uh, some of this other stuff here. Sorry, you may have heard Maggie just uh, my cute little puppy smacking her tail all over stuff in the room. I don't know if that picked up on the mic <laughs> or not, but. <clears throat> Northerner came out in 2016 and then a couple years later Frontier News in 2019. Your new one is A Matter of Time, which came out on September 23rd and you've been promoting that very hard. You've been out playing um and you've been doing the social media thing. I know people have mixed feelings on on playing the social media game, but you're making reels and doing all the trendy stuff. You've kind of got a, a good system figured out. Oh, I don't know if it's a good system. It it feels obligatory. I mean, because I don't have anybody else pushing my boat, really, it's like I got to be the one to do it. And if I don't do it, it doesn't get pushed. I, I, I know people out there that have really good things going for them, but they do. They feel conflicted about self-promotion. And yeah. it is, man. It's It's a thing. It feels hollow and it feels self-serving. But I don't know, I don't know how else you'd try and have a career if you're not willing to do it, you know. So I, I agree, man. It's I'm conflicted with you know all that stuff too. Um, yeah. But again, if I don't do it, 
nobody else is going to do it. How did this record come about? Where did you record it? Um, and how long did the process take? Uh, process took, um, it really, it started about 20, um, 2020. I really started, um, focusing on writing in 2020. I'd always, I would write, but prior to 2020, I would write, and this is, I'm going to try and come back to the question here by doing a little bit of background. Yeah. I, I had written sporadically before kind of, um, when, in, when inspiration took me and in fall of 2020, um, I really decided to go ahead and, and buckle down and write regularly and try and try and make it a thing in my life to where I was trying to do it just about every day. And so by, um, I was starting to see the, I was starting to reap some of that by middle of 2021 that I had like 15, 20 songs that they, they weren't all going to be, they weren't all great, but I had out of those, I had like, you know, six or seven that I was, I was really wanting to record. Um, but because I had self-produced my two previous records, Northerner was a full band record, but Frontier News, my second one was just acoustic. Um, and that, that record, I just wanted that, that acoustic record, just be me and a guitar, like live takes, right. you know, however many takes it would take to get a full take. I just wanted my voice at that time to be on record. I didn't want there to be, I don't want it to be tuned. I didn't want it to be, I, it was barely mixed. It certainly wasn't even mastered hardly. It was just really raw, but I wanted that feel for it. But the next record I, I knew to make, if, if it was kind of either like shit or get off the pot, I was either going to start making real records or I was just going to kind of do this as a fun thing f forever. And yeah. so when I felt like I'd finally had enough songs, I started hunting for producers, somebody to help me really make a, a polished record. I, I, I'd kind of been adver averse to like making radio songs, like right. for some dumb reason, you know, like I was too, like I was my artistic integrity, you know, was too good for it or whatever but now i was finally at a point where like no i want i want songs that sound good enough to be on the radio or at least songs that sound like they could be on the radio right like yeah well like and radio that's, station wouldn't get a copy of it and be like what's this you know well and that's sort of uh a, a thing i mean with all types of music but i know with country in particular there's so many different brands of it and you know it's like oh i hate that pop country stuff but I'm red dirt or I'm outlaw. Check this out. You know, there's, there's all, there's lots of different brands. And I think, uh, people take pride in their type of music, their type of country music. And they say, ah, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't that radio crap that the pop country is, but, uh, the best of that stuff is still radio worthy songs. Right. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I agree, man. Things change as you become older, as you go through your art artistic journey, like unless you just quit and phone it in, like you'll never know what the rest of that journey looks like. But right. for me, it was like, you know, super independent, screw, screw pop radio, country radio, all this. And it's sort of, I've sort of at this point anyways, and things will change and I'll, as my journey will continue, but I want to be somewhere in the middle there. I want to have 
artistic yeah. integrity. I want to write good songs, but I want them to sound really good when you hear them in your car, right? Like I want both of those things. And yeah, and that's what I wanted for this record was like, I want to I want to write the kind of songs that I want to write the best kind of songs I can write, but I want them to sound really good when you hear them, you know, in your headphones or in your car or whatever. And so yeah, that hunt was just me waiting to find the right opportunity, right? find actual producers who would take these songs and and make them as as good as we could make them and um my friend kellen smith actually shout out to kellen hey cool made, yeah dude kellen's awesome he's just the best dude ever um i i do have good friends and kellen's a, a good one and he had made a record down in dripping springs texas with a couple dudes um named tyler mccollum and cody angel and he'd made this record called Rancher Blues that came out like 20 fall 2021. And this record's amazing. You, yeah. Um, if you're listening to it, look it up. Rancher Blues, Kellen Smith. And I and I'd had some producers lined up and they fell through. Just wouldn't call me back. Just wouldn't. It was really annoying and kind of heartbreaking, too, because I'm you know, you just feel a little bit butthurt about it. Your feelings are kind of hurt when you feel like somebody doesn't want to work with you. And yeah. um Sort of another side note, we have the friend who um, made a, a, a what was called a cowboy compilation. I had a song on that cowboy compilation called Rodeo Town. And those guys yeah. had heard Tyler and Cody or Tyler had heard it. And he was wondering, he kind of was inquiring about whether I was going to ready to make a full record or not. And when my producer, my original producer team had fallen apart, my friends sort of said, you know, he's looking for producers. They said, oh, you know, they basically said, have them give us a call. We can go. And this is like January last yeah. year. And by, you know, end of January, we're talking, we'd maybe talk two times. And so we'd booked session time for end of February, like last week in February or first week in March. And which couldn't be soon enough for me because I was just, I was ready to go. Um, so, you know, fast forward, we go down to Dripping Springs, we make this record and yeah. then, um, you know, had, had to put all the pieces together. It takes, it takes a while, you know, like yep. those things, they can, they can happen fast, but it's never fast enough for, for your liking. But, you, but you also want to make sure that it doesn't happen too fast and you're just rushing through things. So sure. uh, we had a single ready to go by um, end of July, put my first single out ever, and then put another single out and put a record out in September. So it, it took, it took a while, but that was, that's sort of the story of, of how it happened. Well, and, even just after I, after the first 10 minutes of our conversation, um, I can hear you and all, all over the songs and the lyrics, right? Just us having a conversation I'm like, Oh, these are, these are real. These are authentic. This is, uh, this is who he is as a person and a writer. Um, and it's, and it's cool to see that, you know, reflected in, in the whole album. And it's there with the production too, right? The song, the songs are great, but you know, uh, you clearly, went all out with the production as well and got, got the right product made. I think so. I'm, I'm real proud of it. And it's, um, I think one of my friends, I sort of was having a beer with him and we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I, I really hope I, I know this will move the needle. Cause anytime you put something out, it's going to move a needle, right? It, that's the purpose of it. It's just how yeah. far that needle moves is, is net. It's totally out of your hands. You do the best work you can and he just says, well, it's just another brick in the wall. And I honestly, I couldn't agree with that more. It's, it's yeah. not my last project, but it's certainly my best one to this point. And I, you know, if I can top this one, I'll be, I'll be really happy. But, um, 
I, I feel like I've done my best work to this point. One of my favorite songs, maybe my favorite on the record, is Not Forget the Words. And I actually wanted to read a few of the lyrics. Um, People want to know about the girls in the road, all the crazy things that happen after the show. Somewhere, somehow, this myth got around that all we ever do is party with the crowd. But if you could just picture for a second with me a movie theater full of empty seats and the credits roll, the credits roll and one guy's picking up the trash. A lot of the time, it looks a lot like that. It ain't romantic, it's pretty damn rough, and it's the hardest on the ones you love. Reciting poetry to a bunch of drunks, we sit up there and we tell jokes, tell stories about songs we wrote. In between, we take shots, smoke some beers. Keep in mind, this goes on for years. You only get good by going too far. Keep track of where in the song you are and try to ride the line as close as you can. What I'm trying to make you understand is and we go back, go into the chorus. Um, I love that, that, uh, that verse. And I, my favorite part of that is once you've described it, you say, keep in mind, this goes on for years. Just as a side note. Um, and it's so very relatable as a touring musician, but I also think the way you wrote it, it's uh, relatable to anybody in, in any industry, common, just common working class individual. Um, did you think about that when you were writing it? Who, you know, trying to appeal it to, to everybody? Or was that just, hey, this is how I'm feeling right now? No, I wasn't trying to, re, uh, I wasn't trying to relate it to anybody. That's really just like, I was trying to write like every, every performing songwriter's song. Like that's, I've been trying to write that song for a while. And I was just having conversations like this with other writers and other performers. I just wanted to write a song that like, you would listen to or anybody else who's played to nobody or played hard gigs and traveled a long way to do them that they would listen to those and go like, yeah, that's, that's how it happens. I mean, that's really, that was my goal in that one. I, it was for songwriters. Yeah. Well, uh, I love it. That's my, that's my, that's Thanks, my man. favorite. So, and it's, I, I don't know. I, I just say again, it's so relatable. It even after you play a packed house one night and then the next night it's um, empty. I mean, it just happens all the time it, and it does, it goes on for years. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. It's you, you know, man, this is the best part about talking to other artists is that you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you've, you've talked to guys that are the level above you and, and they, they'll say the same thing. You know, I've talked to guys that are a couple, a couple levels above me, you know, and, and it's the same thing. They'll have a great show one night and the next night they're wondering, you know, what in the hell are we doing out here? You know? Yeah. It never ends. It never ends. Touring out of Cody, Wyoming can't be easy. It's hard enough out of Denver. Uh, as we were talking earlier, it's like eight hours minimum to the next, uh, big city from Denver. Touring out of Cody is tricky. I know you do a lot of regional stuff. You're going up into Montana a lot. You're doing hometown stuff. Um, you're collaborating with other writers in Montana and Wyoming and doing shows linking up that way. Um, I know you were just in Vegas a couple weeks ago as well. What's, I mean, how, how do you tour out of, uh, out of Cody, Wyoming and do you, can you just do it certain times of the year? What's the formula for that? I try, I don't necessarily, I don't know that I, I don't know as you call what I do touring. Yeah. I know people that really do like go town to town to town you know, sleeping yeah. in a different hotel every night. Um, because I'm a 
because I have a business here in town, it sort of limits my opportunity to get out on the road and, and really, um, really like get out of my areas. I, I, what I do try and do is I place, I do try and play as smart as I can because, you know, like I don't, I don't, um, I don't have a lot, but I do have bills to pay and I have, you know, a house to pay for and responsibilities here at home. And if I, I just can't go too far away from home because it just gets harder to get people to show up to see you or to get any sort of guarantee. You know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure I could go book a show in Missouri, but they might say, you know, we'll give you 25 bucks and, you know, the best burger you've ever had. And yeah. it's like, I, I could go do that, but that would, that would make zero fiscal sense for me. So what I'm really trying to do now, and again, that's, that was sort of the other purpose with making this record was I wanted to, to have a record that would sort of travel, that sort of have some songs that could get into ears through Spotify algorithms and all that. And so, and start to broaden my circle a little bit. Cause I, yeah. I've found that uh, logistically and financially for me, if I stay within about three to 400 miles from home, I can, I can do music as a, pretty good side gig like it's not my full-time income but it's a pretty good like it makes it makes my bottom line it, it makes me a, a little bit extra you know money but basically it's like a, it's like a sort of a second half career yeah. if i stay if i do it smart if i stay you know close to home or can stay with friends or or have a gig that it, it makes sense i have i have i have the same conversations with my friends just because i'm I'm in my thirties. So it's a little different. I don't necessarily just want to go sleep on a couch in any old place, you know, just try and wing it and hopefully run into somebody at the bar. That'll let me sleep on their floor. Like that's, I don't do that stuff anymore. And I have, yeah, I have friends with kids and they have the same thing. Like they can't leave their house for 150 bucks and go drive six hours. Like it just doesn't make any sense for them. So we kind of have the same little weird sunlight. We kind of have the same goals and that, you know, we'll, we'll try and find something that makes sense and, and, and it's, it is, it's starting, it is starting to increase. Like I was able to go to Vegas and, and make that work. Merchandise is starting to pay off a little bit more. Yeah, the merchandise is great, by the way. I'm, I'm supporting a honky tonk yeah. arcade hat. Uh, these are uh, really, uh, you have really well done merch. Um, yeah. If, if you're listening to this podcast and you go listen to the record, go to the website to check out or, or Instagram and check out, uh, check out the merch. You've got some cool stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah, I just set up my Shopify account. So you can go cool. to my Instagram and there's links there. But yeah, so so again, merchandise helps sort of yeah. um close up, you know, loose ends and stuff like that. But it's to me, it's it's not it's it's trying to be smart and trying to be um economic with it and not get not get out there too much. But it's it's my circle's getting bigger. So that's the good news. It's starting to pay off. But um it also it would be nice to be younger and and be able to go do those crazy things like really getting getting in your car and going somewhere but can't i don't really do that anymore yeah no fair fair enough and, and i mean it all sounds realistic and you're expanding your radius every day and i think this record has is, is helped with that a lot have you started thinking about what you're going to do next uh, in terms yeah. of a record yeah man um i'm already i mean i've been i started writing it basically when i got back from austin i you know was wanted to get something else coming right away. And um, so now I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to do it, who I'm going to do it with, if I've got enough good songs. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, cause I, I feel like um, music's a bit of a motivation, uh, not a motivation thing, but a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's, 
you got to kind of keep it rolling, you know, like, yeah. Um, once you sort of get momentum, that's where, yeah. So okay, once you sort of get something yeah. going, it's good to like not go three years without people hearing something new from you. So my goal is in the next year to sort of, to, to have another project out. And so I'm, I'm writing pretty consistently trying to get another batch of, of songs that are, that are ready to go out the door. I wanted to ask earlier when you went back to college, uh, what year was that? What did you finish your degree in? I went back when I, um, 2018, I got a wild hair and enrolled in, I enrolled in a private pilot class at the, at the, uh, community college here in town. They have a flight program here in Cody. And I just, I told my mom, I said, I want to go back to school. I want to start, I don't know what I want to do, but I want to start working on it. I want to start start knocking it out. I just, it, it was sort of a cloud that hung over me and I enrolled in this private pilot class. And I came back to her and I said, I think I enrolled in the wrong class. Cause this, uh, I'm now, I'm not just in this class. I'm also, I have to book flight hours. And so I <laughs> suddenly yeah. was like flying planes. Like the second day of school, I was getting in a plane for the first time. And, um, ultimately I got my private and then I got my instrument rating, got my commercial and twin engine. So I have uh, degree in my degree is in aeronautics technically but i'm a commercial pilot by uh by degree whatever no kidding so i mean is that something you you want to pursue in the future as well or uh i i think it's great to know how to land a plane i think that's honestly a life skill that if i didn't the only thing i really wish i would have done is get a law degree i think that's the only thing that would have been more useful than knowing how to land a plane would have been having a law degree Time will tell, but, uh, no, I don't think so. I, I'm very happy. I, I really want to push this music thing. I think I can do it. I, I'm doing it. You know, I'm, yeah, I, you're doing I, it. I want to keep, keep doing it, keep getting better. And, um, that's where my heart is, but my goal is like to eventually have a plane and, and fly it around. And I, I've talked to different artists that do fly like to gigs and I'm like, that's, oh, that yeah, that's the life. <laughs> that's, that'd be the life. Inter interesting you talk about that being an important life skill it uh it very well it very well could be at some point right and you and you hope to never have to use that life skill and in, in, uh, <laughs> be the guy yeah yeah but you <laughs> Is there know anybody here that could land this plane yeah you raise your hand yeah and i want to be on that i don't want to be on the plane but if i have to be on one of those planes i hope you're on it yeah it's it's uh i kind of say that in jest but it's so much fun like it's one of the most fun things I ever I've ever been a part of is I've I've done some cool stuff, but definitely yeah. knowing how to fly is one of the coolest things I've ever I've ever done. It's also one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, which was part part of the purpose I went back to school is I wanted I I was 30 and I felt like I really needed a challenge and be careful what you ask for when you say you want a challenge because working a full time job, tour tour, you know, playing music and then going back to school for that is is challenging for sure. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, I love the record, and uh, I think our listeners will too. I appreciate you chatting with me. Andy, I love your music so much. I just want people to know that. Thank I've you, had man. so much fun listening to your songs. I think you're one of the most creative, uh, interesting songwriters that I've been able to be around, and I really appreciate you having me on this podcast, man. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, once again, that's my conversation with Caleb Beasley. His new album, A Matter of Time, is available everywhere you listen to albums. Um, 
one more time, if you'd like to support this podcast in a monetary way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. There's a link in the show notes. And if you'd like to support for free, give this podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It just takes a second, and it's a huge help. Make sure you tune in next week. I'll be having a conversation with Shane Smith of Shane Smith and the Saints. And uh, that's all for now. Have a great week. Thanks, folks. Thank mm-hmm. you.